Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Making It So, Picard Reviewed. I'm Mike Mann. With me as always, Josh Bald. Part one of two, Mike, this here episode. So I feel like I feel like we should end on a cliffhanger. Oh, I'm down with that. Okay. I think or we should start I? on a cliffhanger. Is Josh or- Bald really here? Oh, well, I guess we've solved that. Yeah. What do we have a guest? Ooh, is our cliffhanger. Yes, you do. It's sometimes we have a guest, sometimes we don't. So that's the uh, mystery of today's episode. Today's guest is my long lost son, Alton. Oh, Alton, come on in here, Alton. We hardly knew ye. Ash, they never mentioned me before. That's what he sounds like, folks. He sounds older than me. What's well? I'm working out a character. All right, well, go work on it over there. Yeah, uh, if Alton is like any of the other Soongs, he will age rapidly. He certainly uh, is. Yes. Yeah, uh, so this implies that Soong had a child. Alton Soong definitely is the the biological offspring of Noonien Soong. How interesting. That implies that that Noonien Soong had uh, had some kind of organic love interest, or at least, you know, got, (laughs) got down with somebody. Organic love interest is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> he also had some kind of the other thing you were thinking. <laughs> uh, so, long lost son, we'll talk about him. Yeah. Uh, I guess it makes, uh, we're getting into the episode, but I guess it does make sense that he and Maddox would find each other. Yeah, I guess. Uh, no one's found him so far. Right. That's So, somehow those guys hooked up. Anyhow, all right. So the, we get we do get some uh, new characters in this episode. So I think what we're going to do this time, guys, is we're going to go character by character because all the action takes place on this one planet, uh, but it's kind of divvied up by characters and their interactions. So we're going to go with that this time. That's our table of contents. Indeed, instead of scene by scene. Yeah, our organizational structure has changed once again. What was the plot of this episode, Josh? Here's your plot quiz for Et in Arcadia Ego Part 1, or Picard Season 1 Part 9. Your choice. Uh, Is it A, people arrive at a doomed world to convince its citizens to leave and they don't want to? Classic Trek plot, right? 
Yeah. Classic. Is it B? Brent Spiner clearly has dirt on the producers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Could be that one. Or is it C? When Picard and company reveal the imminent Romulan attack, they must convince the synthetic residents of Capellius to flee rather than to fight. A and C. It is both A and C this time, I think. Um, but I did mention that very generic Trek plot because it is a classic one that you can do a lot with. And I'm glad that our uh, modern Trek folks uh, glommed onto that and used it. Yeah, it's it's a tested and true Trek plot. Absolutely. And and you can go any direction with it, even in a serialized uh, show as we have here. Yeah. And that was one of my wasn't that weirds of this episode is that it felt so much like a TNG planet. Absolutely. And uh, some other folks online, and I agree with them, which is why I'm going to say it here. Those costumes for the synths, very TOS, looked very TOS. Oh, yeah. So cool. Totally. I've reached out to Picard's costume designer, and uh, hopefully we can get her on the program uh, to talk costumes throughout the first season. I'd love to ask questions about uh, those choices they made for the synths. Canon Connections. Uh, Soong. File that one under, duh. Right? Yeah. Noonien Soong, creator of data, creator of lore. Creator of B4. Creator of B4. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> the most uh, important android of all. Indeed. He's the he's gonna what if he what if uh what if this beacon that they're talking about <laughs> what if the drawer back on Earth opens and B4 reassembles? <laughs> Commandeers a ship and makes it all the way out to, to this Capellia seg- uh, settlement. <laughs> it saves Amazing. the day. What if he's the destroyer? Why does humanity have to die? <laughs> <laughs> yes, his his childlike uh, questioning saves the day when these synth gods show up or synth deities or whoever they are. Yeah. Uh, so there's the Soong thing. We also get Spot 2. Spot 2, the second cat. So Which what's interesting Elnor is doesn't not, get to see. Oh, that's right. Elnor doesn't get to see this spot yet because Elnor wanted to see cats. There's another canon connection from this very series. Yes. Uh, hopefully Elnor gets to see Spot 2. Now, what's interesting is they made Spot 2. So that's an android cat. Right. Like the android butterfly. Exactly. I'm very interested at its inner workings. <laughs> so so spot two. You know what? I, I think I would have preferred that they just didn't even name him. Astu- astute viewers such as us would have known that that was a version of spot. Yeah. The existence of that cat, though, necessitates the existence of a twin cat. So there must be another cat out there because, as we know, androids are made in pairs. So there's a spot 2A running around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the one that pees on everything and scratches all the furniture. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why Narek had a rip in his pants in the cell. Oh, God. It's all coming together. Uh, we're the best. <laughs> uh, Raffi talks about angry reptiloids. I assume that's a reference towards the Gorn. Yeah. Um, but then she also says a killer fungus, and that one went over my head, and I don't know if that's referencing something specific. Do you know, Mike? I don't, offhand, no. Okay. I didn't even look it up. I wasn't certain. Um, I was hoping she would have said killer tar pits instead, so that would have been Armus. <laughs> that would have been more fun. But I'm sure there's killer fungus somewhere in some of these episodes that... Um, when Sutra mind melds with Jurati, which is an issue on its own that we'll get to later... Oh, yes. Uh, when she sees the admonition through Jurati's mind, she says, 
Fascinating. Hmm. Who do we know that said that before? Hmm, a certain Vulcan. A certain Vulcan, yes. So uh, Sutra very much likes Vulcan culture and has made that part of her own pursuits. Right. But Data has said it uh, many times as well when he is presented with some new information or a different perspective uh, in TNG. So we we get to we get that from two different sources for Sutra. True. And we have a couple of misconnections from last week's episode, Mike. Hashtag misconnections. All right, let's hear them. All right. So both of these misconnections come from erstwhile listener Ernesto Castagna. He actually posted this in our Facebook group, which is a good advertisement for our Facebook group. Mike, how do people find us on the Facebooks? They can find us by searching Making It So Facebook group right up there in the search field. Absolutely. And you can see Ernesto's uh, news that we missed a couple connections. And he seemed pretty proud of himself. And you know what? You should be, Ernesto. Good on you. Um, other social media, of course, at Making It So Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there. Email us at makingitsopod at gmail.com. And I can't believe we missed this. Uh, it came out of Rios's mouth, though, that he mentioned uh, Marta, who right. was Captain Picard's good old friend, good old buddy at Star Trek. Sorry, not at Star Trek. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Marta, who was... Star Trek Academy. Star Trek, yeah. Uh, who was <laughs> who was Picard's good buddy at Starfleet Academy. And we saw her in the episode Tapestry, one of my favorites. Right. Uh, and uh, Ernesto mentioned this too in in last week's episode. Uh, it broke in pieces. Soji takes over La Serena, La Serena, in about six seconds, uh, which harkens back to the episode Brothers, where Data is recalled by Soong, and he takes extreme measures to get to his destination, including taking over the Enterprise and locking everybody out of the command functions. Really cool connection, Ernesto. Didn't even think of it. Yeah, that's a good one. So two good ones from Ernesto. He is on our leaderboard uh, in first place. So, Mike, if we missed any connections this week, and I have a feeling we may have, what can the good people do to alert us? Oh, they can go to makingitsopod at gmail.com, or they can go to Twitter and Instagram at makingitsopod and use the hashtag misconnection. And we will air it on the next episode. Just like we did this time. Or you can find us in the Facebook group as Ernesto did. Exactly. I think I'll try to keep a running scoreboard of misconnections uh, so we know who's in the lead for each season. And they'll get a little reward. It might be a shout out from me on video. It might be that I send them a postcard uh, on which I write uh, dirty Star Trek themed limericks. How enticing is that? Folks. Start plumbing the depths of your Trek knowledge as you watch these episodes. There's only one left. There's only one left. So <laughs> you've got you've to get in before the buzzer there. Ernesto is now regretting his decision to send in <laughs> misconnections. Just wait, Ernesto. It's going to be beautiful. What's the matter with you? Um, I don't know, Josh. I, I didn't have enough time to spend with it. <laughs> um, here's what I wrote. Okay. Ready? Uh, I'll just read it verbatim. Uh, right under our what's the matter with you heading, I wrote, there isn't one. Okay. I wrote, it's part one of two. It's setting the stage for the finale. There are some swipes at the morality of taking life to save life, but we do not address right. it in a satisfying way. That's what I wrote. We do get it. The card's talking to Soji. Uh, about that one on La Serena when it 
looks like Narek is uh, about to die and that his ship is in a tailspin, which just turned out to be a ruse. Right. Uh, so, but Picard does make a point about there's a difference between killing somebody um, in a battle and letting a wounded person die. So there's that. Um, but then when she's um, kind of hinting at some things and he says, I don't think I like what you're talking about here, or I don't like where this is going. Uh, right. They're talking about that same thing. So I really wish that would have been, mm, I really wish that would have been addressed in a more satisfying way. As I wrote, I really wish this stuff with Sutra that it really would have, they really could have taken that opportunity to help it hit home there. Yeah. Um, but we only got to swipe at it. It's a glancing blow at a theme. And I guess that has to suffice till next week. What did we think of this show? Mike, I suggest that we start with the, uh, the titular character for this series. And that would be JL. I yes. really wish this series was called Star Trek JL. Star Trek JL. <laughs> God. We only got people, like one or two People JLs would have had no uh, clue yeah. what it was to begin with. <laughs> You're right. Uh, he reveals that uh, he reveals to everybody's brain condition. Yeah. He goes out and uh, gives a little speech about it and says, you know, if anyone treats me differently, they'll risk pissing me off. I enjoyed that. I, I think that's important because even – and we, we got a glimpse of that, and this could be a canon connection if you're into that sort of thing. This could be a, a connection to all good things where we got a glimpse of that where he's saying, you know, I'm not a doddering old fool, damn it. You know, he's – what because he's having those delusions in all good things. And right. Uh, he's he's <laughs> very adamant about not being treated like an old man there too or like an invalid, I believe is the word he used. Uh, right. So we, we see that. he's He's a proud man. In that regard. So he, yeah, he, he definitely, definitely doesn't want wants to be... Go ahead. No, I was just saying, he definitely wants to hang on to his sense of self. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's we're starting to get little, I guess, with that, him saying, thank you for coming, everybody. Are we getting a, uh, a snippet of this? Is it really, is it starting to take hold? We don't know. Right. Because so, he passes out. He... right. He loses consciousness after saying, thank you for coming, everybody. Right. So I'm not certain what was going on there. But Gerardi, uh, of course, has the old school tricorder and she finds what's going on in his brain uh, after checking up on him. Um, so he has to go through that with everybody. Um, what's really interesting is the, the reactions everybody has because Rios looks really bummed by it. Now, they bonded a bit over the speech that he gave in the previous episode. So I can mm -hmm. see Rios caring for him. Um, Gerardi cares for him, even though, you know, she betrayed him and, uh, was essentially arrested by Picard. Right. Um, so she's taken it hard, but we know she's a hot mess anyway. Yes. Um, Soji, I don't remember how Soji reacts. She's, uh, she kind of seems whole hum about it. Yeah. I didn't see a big react from Soji. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just starting to trust him, I think. Yeah. But she's got plenty of other things to worry about. Yeah. Um, and we know that because Raffi and JL have been pals for well over a decade, uh, we know that she's going to take it hard. And that's a really great scene between the two of them uh, when she tells him that she loves him. And Picard is, once again, so awkward with his emotions. <laughs> I love the way yeah. they played it. Yeah, he's very awkward. And he he does say I love you back, which is something he wouldn't have done, I don't think. 
20 years ago. Absolutely not. He, I don't think he would have. I don't think their professional relationship allowed them the time or the space of the room to express personal feelings because what the work they were doing consumed their lives. Yeah. Uh, for years. And then once he left Starfleet, he, he pretty much seemed like he cut her out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he would have said, I love you before that conversation he had with Soji uh, about data. Um, we know he's softening up a bit over time, but I think you're right because he he's recognizing his emotional limitations that he had uh, when he was captain of the Enterprise. You know, mm-hmm. up to that moment, even up when he's talking to Soji about right. data. Uh, but he's still so emotionally mm, uh, not unavailable at this point. But he's still not sure what to do with his emotions that he delivers the "I love you" so awkwardly <laughs> and in mm-hmm. passing that it's so believable. Um, that he's, he still doesn't really know how to express himself, especially with those kind of feelings. Now, he expresses right. his – he says he's so proud of Elnor. And, you know, that's a different kind of emotion, of course. But he said he's able to say that straight ahead to Elnor, but uh, love is still a weird thing for him. Yeah. I guess yeah, and the I people think- he's – you know, the people he's closest to are the – that's the hardest part for him. The closer he is to them, the harder it gets for him to express his emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else does he do in this episode? He tries to, he does, we talked about the, the talking to Soji about the morality of killing and tries to steer her one way. Uh, it appears that he is unsuccessful at this point. He also tries to convince uh, all the synths and, and Soong, Alton Soong, excuse me. By the way, uh, well, we'll talk about Soong later. Uh, tries to convince Alton Soong and the synths to, to flee instead of fight. Right. And that doesn't work out. So he's got right, a lot yeah. of speeches that have not ended in getting his way in this season of Picard, which is so uncommon for him. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not the result that he's used to. Yeah, and I like that. I get that that's something that should happen, um, but it just seems like it's happening every week. I don't, you know, it's... Okay, so what is what is his what's his utility then? If this right. isn't working, what's what's left? What's left for Picard? Right. Yeah, exactly. And where like what are we supposed to be rooting for in this man? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure he's so sidelined so far. I'm not sure what he has done to take command and do things other than, you know, here and there he just says, "Okay, we're going to do it Soji's way." Well, I think Soji could have done it her way anyway because she hijacked the ship. Right. You know, so um, I don't know that he even convinces anybody of that last week. So right. I just, I don't know. He's he's just so sidelined. So what's... I mean, hmm. occasionally he'll speak the right ideals and he'll say the right things. But like you said, he's getting sidelined. Right. Um, because if he's our moral compass, if he's our, if he's how we ground our morality... Uh, it's not working, like I said. So what? Hmm. We're in this weird, brave new world of Trek. Darkness. Darkness encompasses us all or something. Well, I mean, I guess that's part of the hero's journey, right? Where they have to get out of it. I suppose so. Um, although when he's interacting with Seven, you know, she says, keep saving the galaxy. And he turns it back on her and says, that's that's your deal now. You know, yeah. that's on you now. So I... <laughs> I, I assume that portends to something next episode, but we'll see. Right. Yeah, we'll see if she gets that board cube back online. Yeah, yeah. So um, Picard doesn't do a ton, and uh, he is 
hustled away to house arrest. Ouch. Right. Um, did you notice, and I put this on our on our social, those those twins, those synth, synth twins that take them away look very much like the hell yeah synth from the Mars workshop. I'm pretty sure they are, yeah. I think it is that same actor. So, so I just wanted them to scream, hell yeah, as they marched him away, but they didn't. Right. Let's talk about Rios. Doesn't do a lot in this episode. Not a lot. He sure likes Gerardi, even though she's a murderer. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I wrote. He likes Gerardi. <laughs> he tries to protect her from the mind meld. He does. Um, which shows that he cares about her. And then they have a tender moment later. But uh, yeah, he also does a really, uh, he looks great when he's uh, piloting the ship fighting Narek and he's chomping on that cigar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, cursing in Spanish too. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say puta madre well uh, near often enough. I really need to start doing that. He does. He does a good job there. Uh, does, does his job piloting, but he really likes Girati. Huh? Yeah, I guess uh, she rubbed off on him. Mm, I'm not gonna. So was, I'm not taking so the bait, pretty, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> there was one good little moment when they arrive at Synthville, as Raffi calls it, where they're kicking around a ball of some sort, and he juggles it a little bit and kicks it back to whoever had it for. Uh, initially right that was great right. i like that good little moment um but yeah he 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 doesn't do much either he's just sent back to la serena to get it up and running right and and he kind of helps um develop Roddy's feelings around everything there's a moment with raffi when they find out about the uh 215 ships coming oh 218 right oh i love that part. oh my gosh i almost forgot about that part that's great that's not so bad there's some good gallows humor right there yeah. You know, that's not so bad. You only have to worry about the first 109. Right, right. That's good. I like that. So those two, like, they have good interactions, and I'm um, so... Um, but other than that, he doesn't do much, huh? Nope. It's not his episode. Not his episode. No, he had his he had his big moment last week, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, so he, he worked a ton the prior week, so <laughs> it's good that he got a little bit of uh, downtime. And I'm talking about Santiago Cabrera. <laughs> He's probably exhausted. Right. And uh, he didn't have to change costumes too much this time, or, or hairstyles, so good for him. Or accents. Uh, let's talk about Raffi. Yeah, Raffi doesn't have too much going on this week either. Uh, we talked about the great I love you scene with Picard. It, it right. does make sense that she would say, I'm breaking the rules, give him a big hug, tell him, tell him she loves him. I actually really like that because even though he neglected her for many years, <laughs> you know, he took her on this trip at least, even though he kind of used her to get what he wanted, she still loves him. Yeah. Um, I get it. Yeah. It was it was a nice beat and it was, um, you know, I don't think that she would have felt that way if he wasn't dying necessarily. Right. She wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Herself. Right. Um, but I think that that kind of crystallized the relationship and let a lot of things be forgivable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, that, that does seem kind of like that, you know, the, um, my friend, you know, my friend is terminal. I gotta, I gotta put this out here. You know, I gotta put it out there, uh, for them. So, right. so that stands and it's great that she did it in private. And I, I think she would wait to do it in private because even though she's, openly talked about her problems. She only has ever done it in private as opposed to laying it out in front of everybody, mm -hmm. um, which Picard does with his diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so Rafi doesn't do a ton either. 
<laughs> other than other than that. And and she does she does some good scanning, I guess, before the ship goes down, so we know what's going on. Yeah, and um later she's given a device that fixes things. Uh that was funny. You have to use your imagination. Did you recognize that yeah. thing? I didn't recognize that. No. Thing. Okay. She was she was flummoxed by it, which I found uh wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it felt like a very Guardians of the Galaxy kind of device. Oh, did it? Okay. Just something oh. that fixes things. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, so I don't know. That's Mike's stunned silence right there. I've only seen like two or three of the MCU movies. And yeah, well, it's probably not going to change anytime soon. There you go. So yeah, this is one that. of the good it's one of the good ones. Uh, one of these days. All right. Mm-hmm. Next. Dr. Gerardi. I think it's been confirmed that HIPAA doesn't exist because she spills the beans to Elnor and Seven about Picard's condition. She can't not tell somebody about somebody's medical information. Yeah. And maybe, She's maybe it's the opposite. It. Like, if you're a doctor, you have to tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, so she I, – I know Picard made it public, but she's the one that lets it slip to the other two people that weren't there. Right. So, <laughs> gosh. She just can't help herself. Picard's dying. How does she get away with so much, Mike? Uh, She's just so lovable, Josh. How does she keep getting away with this murder? She keeps I getting guess, away with it. I guess she's just so lovable. I don't get it. She's under arrest, essentially, but every everybody who meets her is just like, shame on you, uh, <laughs> but you can help us. Or shame on right. you, but we're going somewhere else, so you just strap in, you know? And these are people who loved Bruce Maddox, too. Exa- these these are his children. Right. Right? And, the, and, his, and his project partner, soon. Right. So, y- y- I, f- I figured they would have torn her limb from limb. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, by skin of her teeth, because she's about to be taken away just like Picard but she she gives a speech that was kind of it was weirdly worded I had to watch it a couple of times because she says uh, please don't arrest me I, kn- I know I don't deserve it and I'm like wait you know you do deserve it but then she talks about the reasons why she um, doesn't deserve their mercy or doesn't deserve to be spared because um, then she goes she says I know I don't deserve it but then you know she's saying look you know I helped I helped Bruce and then soon in a weird tone of voice in that weird weak tone of voice oh, she has been helpful you know so she, <laughs> so she's spared um, she does have to face the music with him earlier uh, when he gives her the option to help essentially put his mind inside the golem right or that Android body uh, survive this coming apocalypse I suppose plus live forever good for him Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good goal. It's uh, one that we've seen before. Yeah. Where? I forget. Uh, the Schizoid Man. Oh, that's the one. Who is uh, Who is that dude? Who is the Gr- guy? Uh, Graves, I think his name was. Ira Graves? Is that the one? Ira Graves. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll have to look that one up, but I think that's right. That's Ira Graves sounds Transferred quite... his consciousness into data. Okay. And... Uh, had a whale of a time. Had a whale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fuzzy on the details. I got to go back to that one then. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that, and that that's different though, I guess, because it's a sentient android, whereas this one is just waiting for a mind, I suppose. To yeah. know him was to love him. <laughs> that was his big speech oh, about him about himself from Data. Oh, that pretty, rings a bell. Okay. It was pretty great. Um, so... 
so Jurati is given a chance to atone for her mortal sin and takes advantage of it at least. But she, when is she going to actually face the consequences for her actions? I don't know. Next season. She keep. <laughs> yes. When. Stay tuned. Cliffhanger. Next season. Will Girardi face consequences? Oh, maybe next season is just going to be a courtroom drama where Picard tries to get her acquitted. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. And because there are no space. She lawyers, was under a lot of stress. Yes. <laughs> the jury will buy a hook, line and singer. I'll be your yeah. advocate. There are no lawyers. Yeah. So she just keeps, she just kind of keeps traipsing along. I don't, I don't get it. But, uh, uh, but she's definitely fascinated by all these different synthetic life forms. And we can definitely talk about the different versions as we get to them. But she's kind of saving her own skin there. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. This would be like her entering Willy Wonka's Candyland, right? <laughs> In terms of like how she should be reacting to arriving on the synth world. Oh, gotcha. I understand. Yeah. She should have been just <laughs> like a kid in a candy store. Totally doe eyed, just running around going, ah, yeah. this is all insane. Like the way that she responded to Soji last week. Right. Yeah. She should have been uh, running around asking all just kinds of insane floor. questions to all of them. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like cake? Yeah. <laughs> what's what's your favorite ice cream? Soji likes peppermint. I think that's weird. You know. All that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess yeah. There I guess there wasn't room for that because we're barreling towards the season finale, but there it is. You know, Gerardi I guess should have been asking tons of more questions, but but she's uh busy trying to save her own skin. All right. She got some Who's next? to do. I'm thinking let's talk about Eleanor and Seven. First of all, they're still vastly underused. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of show up. Now, here's the thing. The, when the Borg Cube shows up, oh, man, the visual and the sound was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's was pretty cool. Oh, shit, they're going to save the day. And they just kind of show up. Yeah. And they do nothing. They just show up. And then the orchids glom onto the, <laughs> you know, the orchids attach yeah. themselves to the cube and drag it down. Yeah, what do we think of these flowers? Pretty cool. Yeah. Visually, very visually awesome. Love it. Again, very TNG to me. Yeah. Yeah, that there would be this. Uh, a very like TNG idea. Yeah. But I love real, it is realized much, much better than they ever could. Right. Because well, you have the digital technology to create it, right? Because right. A, a model just wouldn't work. So this yeah. thing can move around fluidly and all that stuff. And it looks really cool. And it's such a creative idea. Plus, it feeds into the theme of one, you know, the beautiful flower is obviously a, the name of that. Uh, synth is obviously a reference to the orchid because mm-hmm. that's what's implanted into Soji and so on and so forth. I'm still trying to find a connection between the orchids and the synths. I'm guessing because orchids are have been over the decades so manipulated by humans, you know, with all the grafting and making them different colors and that sort sure. of thing. So different strains and that sort of thing. So I'm and they take great care and meticulous care, otherwise they don't bloom. Right. Okay. So I guess there's some stuff going on there, and that's we can parallel that with the synths. But yeah, the the catchers, the ship catchers, are really cool. I love that idea. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Big fan of that. It's too bad they don't have. Uh, it's too bad they only have ten left. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was um, weird too. The, at one point in the episode, they said they had like ten left, and then at another point, they said they had like twenty three or something like that. Oh, I must have missed that. I I only heard the ten part. 
So those two are still underused, though, Elnor and Seven. I, you know, Elnor is, of course, still using his absolute candor. But you're dying. I'm sad. Okay. Yeah. That works. Uh, Seven explains how she knew where they were. That works. It, it tracks for me. You know, the yeah, at one blah, point, blah, blah. <laughs> this was just a throwaway for me. But at one point, Seven says that she saw everything. Yeah. To Patrick Stewart. And um, if you've ever seen Patrick Stewart on the uh, show Extras, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's he's seen everything. He's seen it all, <laughs> and all of their clothes fall off. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> oh man, I haven't watched that in ages. I really hope that was a connection to that. <laughs> <laughs> Be so great. <laughs> oh geez. Uh, so so seven is. I mean, they're working on the thing. They get long range scanners up uh, for Picard because he asked for it. And yep. Uh, so then they know that these ships are so so far away and so on. Uh, what what else are they doing? Are they just trying to get this cube up and running? That's it. Yeah, right? uh, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. just staying back to get the cube's defenses up. How is, how are two people, one of them a 17-year-old Romulan who uh, <sighs> has no technological know-how that we know of, who is still able to transport himself down to uh, pre-cloud, by the way. Uh, so maybe he has a little... But how uh, him and Seven, how are the just the two of them? Now there are some XBs and so on. Uh, how are they going to get that thing up and running? It's, uh, it's, it's humongous. It is monumentally sheer, large, inconceivably the large. The sheer will of their spunk, Josh. I think she's going to have to dial it back into the Queen's chamber. Yeah. And hook up and activate it again. But I guess there aren't any drones. So what are you going to do? Right. I don't know. Um, it is cool to see it on the planet because we haven't seen a grounded cube before, and that just gives you the absolute scope of that thing. Yeah, that uh, was just neat. impossibly large, the size mm-hmm. of a planet, essentially a small planet or something. It's huge. Mm-hmm. That was cool. So they've got this fortress now, just sitting there. If they're going to use it for a final staging ground for uh, some uh, sort of yeah, Are they going to take refuge inside of it. I mean, right? I think two hundred eighteen warbirds, especially if that thing doesn't have weapons, the cube. I mean, uh, I think two hundred eighteen warbirds could take care of it. True, but I don't know, man. I just don't know. Yeah, what are they setting knows? us up for, Mike? I I don't know. We'll <laughs> see what happens. We'll see. Um, I think that yeah, two hundred eighteen warbirds. They're twenty four hours out. Right. And are, are, with this partnership of Eleanor and Seven, are they setting us up for a series? Oh, um, I don't know. Are we getting the backdoor pilot treatment here? Maybe. Oh, man. Well, it's not as forced as uh, all the other ones we've seen, like the farm inside of the office, right? Right. Or any Rhoda episode of Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or anything like that. So, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like they're, you know, when you're when you're on a streaming platform and you don't have network television restraints, why are you still only doing 44 minutes? Now, they've given us 54, 55, and so on. Why can't they give us a few more minutes? Yeah, it's weird that this is a two-part episode in and of itself. Oh, it, it, it being uh, a serialized thing, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah that is weird. <laughs> now that you mention it, why would there be... <laughs> I guess I mentioned that earlier. Like, this is part nine, actually. This isn't part right. one. You know? I guess I was thinking about that earlier, but it's it's weird. That is weird. Oh, and one of the, I love that one of the uh, the Borgs call him Locutus again. Locutus. And he looks really scared. Picard looks really scared. Yeah. Too. He's like, oh, God. What's going to... You know, he doesn't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah. Obviously still scared of that somehow, some way. Yeah, he doesn't like that time period in his life at all. <laughs> Which stands to reason, right? Which is, yeah, makes sense. I don't know what to make of that still, because I don't know if that was the same guy who, who did it, you know, who said his name three episodes ago. <laughs> you know, look who it is. Right. But it's, that somebody would recognize him like that is really cool. Right. I just want, I, w- I really want to see more of that. I want to see him interact with XBs. Yeah, not this, not this series. Not this season, yeah. Season, yeah. All right, let's, uh, we've talked about almost all the regulars. Let's talk about Narek before we can get to our, I really want to get to Soong and Sutra, but let's talk about Narek briefly. Sure. Yeah, he gets uh, gets his ass captured. He's pretty sneaky with projecting the ship, though, using the cloaking device. I didn't know you could do that. That's neat. Yeah, that was a cool trick. Yeah, cool trick. He's fighting dirty, as you'd imagine he would. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but then he is captured, as you say, tossed into. I do like the interaction with, um, and now I forget her name, Saga. Saga. Um, when he's, you know, he's he's asking for water. There's obviously something else in that backpack. She's very naive. And she even does say, you know, we've never had a prisoner before. So she doesn't really know what to do. Right. And I guess that tracks because these these folks have lived in essentially paradise their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to manipulate her. And then when Soji shows up, uh, Narek, those interactions are great. Because first of all, Soji... Um, <laughs> just basically says STFU to him, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, she obviously wants nothing to do with him and is warning everybody. And then she says to him, you know, I, I hate myself for pitying you. You know, and, and, and Narek's still, e- even though he's in this cell, he's trying to to pluck her strings with, uh, you know, telling her he loves her. And that he still loves her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love you. You misunderstood what was going on. Something happened in your, you know, he's trying to gaslight her, which uh, I know probably not going to work with an activated Android. Yeah. Um, so he tries, bless his heart, um, to get out. And then he has an interaction with Sutra, which I suppose we could talk about later. Cause that goes into her plan. Yeah. Her plan. Yeah. So, so Narek actually figures into, he's not just going to rot away in the cell. He is going to figure into somebody's plans. Ooh, we'll see what that, what form that takes. Cause last we see of him, he is running away. Like he's in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Back to us sprinting through the brush. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, we could talk about it later with Sutra, but I, I don't think he, I don't think he, Narek, uh, killed Saga. Yeah. You think it was Sutra? Uh, I think so, given that they're androids and are stronger and faster than humans. Right. I agree. Um, I think that she just, and this goes into Sutra's plan. I think she, she said, hey, I'll give you your freedom if, and then she he probably has to do something else too for her. Whatever it may be, we'll find out. But I'm going to let you go. And then she's going to do her thing, right? So that's where I am with it. Because it all happens off camera. I'm sure Sutra's the one that killed Saga. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, do you want to talk about Sutra? Yeah, let's talk about Soji, I guess. I don't know what... (laughs) Janna's sister, Janna's twin. Right. So Sutra, first of all, is uh, an interesting class of android. It's like she's a a tweener. She's between Data and Soji because she's She's... got the, the weird hue to her skin. She's got the yellow eyes. Yeah, she's all gold. Yeah, so she's not she's not a fully realized human 
I, I right. assume on the inside as well um, as Soji is. So it's like she's a she's a previous model of a sort, but there she is doing her thing. And Sutra's really into Vulcan culture, which is interesting, and has learned how to mind meld. Mike, yeah, that's interesting, huh? It yep. uh, yeah. you, ever got, it you have it, a problem with that, with her being able to do that? A little bit. I mean, also. it kind of takes away some of the the mysticism of the mind meld to me. Yeah, um, it makes it a mechanical process as opposed to a spiritual one. Yeah, which is kind of uh, disappointing. Yeah, it kind of is because if I guess we don't know if she's flesh and blood android. She doesn't look like it, right? So if she is flesh and blood though, and just has the weird skin tone uh, and yellow eyes, uh, I guess I can buy it because she is essentially human at that point. So maybe mm-hmm. she could learn the techniques, but if she's a data type android, there's no way, right? Because he doesn't have. The equipment, I guess. I don't know. Like a positronic brain, I would imagine can't mind meld, but she's not positronic, right? Well, she is though, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. She's a tweener, I'm guessing, like because she is very human and has emotions, um, acts very human. So I, she's not a data class android, but she's not all the way Soji. So she's somewhere in the middle. So we right. don't know what's inside her skull. I'm not certain about that part, but you're right. I think it does. If she is mechanical... Or more more mechanical than flesh and blood that does kind of screw with the mysticism of the mind meld. Uh, but I do, as far as plot goes, um, use, having Sutra being able to figure out the message, that's kind of cool. That it was left for synthetic beings and not for uh, organics who can't process it. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's why that people go mad because it's not meant for... Humans. Yeah, it's like information overload. So an organic life form wouldn't be able to process it, and they're just seeing the destruction part of it. Right. So, you know, as far as to step aside to the plot part, instead of talking about characters, so here's here's my understanding, and tell me if I'm wrong. So the Romulans understood the admonition enough to understand that there was was some kind of destruction that was related to uh, the advent of synthetic life. Okay. So to me, there's there's irony in this because they believe, they being the Romulans, that they need to kill all synthetic life to preserve themselves. But it's that exact course of action which will bring about the events depicted in the admonition. Right. So it's their course of action that brings about their destruction. So I was, I was really – I do like that turn in there that the organic life forms – uh, only get the part of the message about them being destroyed. And so they feel like killing to live, which is what Soji and Picard talk about, is their only course of action. So we are seeing it from the killing killing to live uh, from on multiple sides, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about that, too. I mean, I do like that turn. Like I said, I think the writing around that was was pretty cool. Um, that only synthetics have the, I don't know, mind capacity to understand it all the way. And that, and that the idea that the, the subspace frequency to call the synthetic life forms is buried in that, in that information somewhere and that they can right. suss it out. But it also begs the question, how many subspace frequencies are there? And what if a kid's just messing around with a communicator and accidentally <laughs> goes on that frequency? <laughs> And calls the destroyer. And calls the destroyer. <laughs> you know, like just some kid with the equivalent of a ham radio, a subspace ham radio. It's just like, right. dude, you dial in this one. Anybody out there? And then 
<laughs> yes, it's me, the destroyer. What do you need? <laughs> Are you synthetic? Right. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, like what? <laughs> oh boy. So it no, better be I'm a really Kimmy. complicated one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kid, get off this channel. I'm waiting for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop playing around, or I will yeah. come and destroy you. <laughs> um, speaking of the uh, this this higher power, this this synthetic species or race or whatever you want to call them, I'm going to go with species. Uh, that narration that Sutra listens to or gets, and I'm guessing Jurati doesn't experience this, right? Right. She doesn't mention it. So Sutra gets it. Um, but it says they exist beyond time and space. Yes. So what does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? Are they nonlinear? Are they like the wormhole aliens in DS9? Are they Q? What are they? Or, or, or are they just, I mean, I'm sure they're completely different than those two things, but... It's a very good question. How can something, I just don't, you know, there's, it's science fiction, whatever. And hopefully they can explain it in a satisfying way, but a, some kind of synthetic deity uh, that comes to the rescue uh, beyond space and that exists beyond space and time. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. So um, we are, maybe there's something mystic or cosmic to that. We'll see. Yeah. Um, it, it at least sets up some, but boy, geez, now we're talking about the extinction of all life in, in our galaxy. <laughs> you know, I think somebody Ooh. said that somewhere. Like, how did we get to just this dude on his, <laughs> this dude <laughs> at his vineyard yeah. moping around to the destruction of the galaxy this quickly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know who's going to help us, though? Crandall. Uh, it's I know they're setting up for Crandall to come save the day because Crandall knows where the planet is. He does. Uh, it's got to be Crandall. Come on, Crandall. Crandall. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping for Crandall. I, I, I'm sure. It, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's <laughs> and he's riding on the outside of the ship like what's his face in Doctor Strange love. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I'd love that. All right, so Sutra, interesting character. Okay, so here's the other thing. Sutra at the end, obviously, I think Sutra kills Saga, right? And is is quote-unquote framing Narek, although she makes a deal with him. Like, he's got unfinished business, I'm sure. Right. This is all, so Sutra is, so my, my overarching question that I'm going to want to ask is, is Sutra evil, or is she just trying to preserve uh, her people through underhanded measures. And and then I guess the follow-up question is, is there a difference? Because if Sutra is so into Vulcan culture, she doesn't make the most logical of arguments uh, when trying to convince her, her fellow synths, right? Or at least she doesn't say, it is only logical that we. Right, that would have been nice. Um, because if she's such a student of Vulcanism, I think she would probably refer to that. Yeah, yeah. I get that she's being manipulative. I get that she is being underhanded, but I don't know if she's totally evil in this in the lore sense. I don't know about that. I just think I she don't is. think she is. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she's evil. I think she's trying to do what's right for her people. Yeah, just through nefarious means, right? So right, and 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 then it goes back to the Picard speech of you know killing to killing to preserve or killing to save yourself or killing to save others. Uh, you know, Picard says it, it depends on who's holding the knife. So what is mm-hmm. Sutra's morality here. 
Okay. Cause we know data was programmed not to harm anybody unless it was in defense. Right. So we don't know about Sutra, you know, how she was programmed, if she was programmed at all, unless she's flesh and blood. We still don't know. <laughs> I'd imagine she is if she can mind meld. So she is kind of free to determine herself, right? The self-determination idea. Think for right. herself, too. She's not following a line of programming. Right. So I just wish it I just wish it tied more into the Vulcan thing that she was showing that it was a logical argument. And like I said, I don't I don't think she's wrong to want to fight instead of flee. Right? Because there's there's yeah. two things you can do. You can flee, you can fight. Right. So she's not wrong, but the way she's going about it makes her appear evil because she's doing it by nefarious means. She could have just, she could have just, without killing somebody, made her argument. It could have been, you're absolutely right. It could have been a classic TNG morality tale, right? It could have been debate as opposed to these kind of actions. Now, we know that, like, TNG villains would do that kind of thing, sure. And I, and I think it still kind of goes with the TNG ethos, actually. If you were to look at this as a standalone episode of TNG, it kind of, Kind of tracks, you know, that sure. the person on the planet would do this, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. like, you know, it's actually kind of like data blowing up the blowing up the uh, aqueduct in whatever episode that was. Yes. Right? To convince yeah. the people to uh, his way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I, and I don't know if that's a canon connection or they, they consciously wanted to to remind me of that episode. But if they do, then if they're if if they're thinking okay so fans are going to go oh yeah it's going to be like that episode where data blew up the aqueduct to get those people to leave because they were going to get blowed up real good just like this one like in this episode um why do they have to make sutra look like such a bad guy why can't she be also be right right um and that's those are the best trek us up uh, excuse me those are the best trek episodes when both sides are right and you just have to figure out who's writer or, or maybe there's an unsatisfying conclusion, you know, cause if, if they're going to go that deep with it, then it feel, it feels cheap to me to go, well, she's a bad guy. She's evil. I yeah. Think she, and I don't think she is, but I, maybe that's how it's being presented and how people are interpreting it. I don't know. I, uh, I'm not sure how people are seeing it because yeah, to me, it seems like she had her people at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing she wants to, pres- she doesn't want to die. So right. if you don't want to die, you know, you've got some choices and the, the, the two right now are fight or flee. And she wants to, she wants to fight. All right. 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 She wants to call down the thunder of the synthetic whoever's. Right. Although, you know, if they're 200, 300,000 years old, what if they're not home? What if, what if they died? We don't know. Yeah, it's true. So she's putting all her eggs in that basket. You know, calling down the thunder of whoever, who she's never communicated with. <laughs> you know, see, they don't know them. Right. So in, in that sense, it kind of seems illogical. So come on, Sutra, help us out. And Sutra, if you can't, writers, help us out. <laughs> it <laughs> help gets, it make logical choice. Yes, it's back on you, writers. Make it logical sense. Yeah. Um, but fascinating character. I love the idea that there are these tweener androids slash human slash whatever they are's that are between data and soji um i like the mixing and matching of that on this planet and all these different children of maddox and and soong mm-hmm. speaking of soong mike there's another soong there's another soong how about that how many soongs are there now could we Union soong? let me just ask you could we fill a brady bunch type grid with soongs oh sure and put that on our social i guess we could 
if you count the androids, right? Yeah, if you count the androids. <laughs> Data yeah. Lore, B4. Uh, you could count Lal, I guess. And then Noonien, Alton, Juliana. I don't know how many that is. I can't count. Yeah. Um, and Spot 2. We'll put Spot 2 in there also. So um, Mike will make that later and put it on our social. Thanks, Mike. No problem. <laughs> that was the tone of I will not. So maybe I'll do it because I'm quarantined. Uh, so soon, first of all, uh, where'd they get this actor? He's really good. <laughs> like I said, I think Brent Spiner has something on these people because he keeps showing up in Trek. <laughs> How yeah. does he do it? Good for him. Uh, but he plays it uh, really interestingly. You know, he's he's very welcoming at first, this this uh, this Soong. Mm -hmm. um, what, his full name is Alton Inigo Soong, right? Correct. So where'd your mind go when you heard Inigo? To the Princess Bride. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, I'm glad that wasn't lost because if he says, <laughs> my name is Alton Inigo Soong, you know, <sighs> and then the rest of it, well, we don't know who killed his father, so... Um, Anyhow, but that, that that was weird. Yeah, I went to Princess Bride too. So if if they're because they're doing a lot of things where they're referencing other other works, right? And we, you know, as as viewers, we do some of the filling in, but they're they're doing a lot of the legwork for us. Yeah, with how they're presenting things, what they look like, names, and what they sound like, and that sort of thing. We're going, oh, that reminds me of blank. Which uh, I guess I'm okay with it. So maybe he'll have a sword fight. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, he has a fight of arguments. I don't know. <laughs> he has a word fight with Picard. Uh, sort of. Yeah. So he actually does a lot. You know, he welcomes them. He says, get this guy some water. Uh, let's go talk. Oh, my gosh. When he said, we need to hear your story. Right to Soji. And he's like, mm -hmm. let's go. Uh, I went, no, we've already heard it a hundred times. Oh, yeah. But then they cut to her, her saying, so I led the Romulans back to us. I was like, oh, God. Right. Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much. We didn't have to hear it again. <laughs> How many times could they have done that earlier in this series? Just cut to the, to the last part of the story. Right. And then get the reaction of the character. Oh, geez. Uh, at least we got it here. You know, and Soong says, oh, that's quite a story you have. So it's clear to me, uh, especially at the end, when Soong starts turning into, I don't know, he starts acting more like lore than data. I don't know if you'd agree with me there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he says, hey, kids. <laughs> when he, sa he says, hey, kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, they didn't listen to him when they attacked Mars, you know, him being Picard. They didn't listen to Picard at, at the Mars attack. They're not going to listen to him now. So he's... He's definitely on the same train as Sutra. So I think they're working together one way or right. another. And I think that's part of the reason why he reacts so feebly to Jurati's plea. Because I think Sutra is really running the show because she could snap Soong's neck if she wanted to. Right. Um, but it also, I'm guessing Sutra wants to preserve Soong because he is partly her creator. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't know who's really in charge there, but um, I just, it's so weird how he says, you know, oh, well, she has been helpful, you know, like he is <sighs> under the gun there. So strange. Right. But uh, I don't know if that means Sutra's in charge and he feels like he might be going against her, her directives by, by standing up for Jurati. Although he does give Jurati the chance uh, to help him out and get into that, that blank Android body. Hmm. 
I wonder who's really in charge on this planet. Maybe it is Sutra. And maybe she's just so pissed off because Janna got killed. Yeah, so, I think so. I think that's part of it. She is pissed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sutra's pretty interesting. And she does the fascinating thing, which was great. And But she really is taking charge because she's the one that has Picard taken away. True. Um, so so we're at this point where now Soji is trying to interact with with Sutra. Uh, Sutra seemingly has Soji convinced that this is the course of action they have to take based on Soji talking to Picard. Yep. Um, about murder. So I guess Sutra's in charge and has Soji in lockstep. But, I mean, this could be one of those things where Soji is, you know, playing at it, which we get in Trek all the time. Oh, yes, I was just playing at that. What I really wanted to do was, right, you know, so we get those twists in TNG and DS9 and so on. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get that because they've been pretty straightforward with everything so far, other than Jurati, who we knew was going to do something. Right. We knew Jurati had an ulterior motive. Nobody else has really showed one. True. So I'm not sure where we're going with this Soji Sutra thing, but I'm guessing... Soji is going to have to have a showdown with ostensibly herself uh, to determine the course of action that they're going to take before the Romulans show up or as the Romulans do show up, what are they going to do? So they do have a setup for something I think that can be gripping, at least. Do you think it's going to resolve in the finale here or do you think it's going to be a continued plot into next season um i can tell you i don't want it to continue into next season (laughs) oh god me neither (laughs) i want there to be they don't they don't have to clean up everything okay because i'm thinking about the expanse like i'm thinking about the the if you're familiar with the expanse you mike or any of our listeners the the proto matter thing was the whole thrust of season one and then season one ended with some loose loose strings that they were able to continue, I think, successfully. Um, so if there are some loose strings, sure, let's that's okay. But let's uh, that you can still change your course, right? And change the plot. I don't want it to be an exact continuation. I want it I want to resolve the big idea here of these synth gods, the Romulan fleet, everything else, but maybe it opens things up to a new mystery. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. But the story itself, I I just want resolution. I'm a human. Yeah. I want resolution. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I definitely want some resolution. Yeah. I don't want three seasons of this. The end of this. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about now. We didn't individually talk about Soji, but we pretty much talked about all her interactions with everybody else, and she does seem to be swayed by Sutra. But is she really the destroyer? Is Soji the destroyer? Is Sutra the destroyer? They do look alike. Remember, Ramda sees Soji as the destroyer, but maybe True. she saw Sutra. <gasps> True. <gasps> okay, I'm going to pass out from gasping so much. So there was a lot going on in this episode, Mike, uh, but there were some weird things. Wasn't that weird? Well, I mentioned how it was basically a TG, TNG planet. Yeah. Um, that was weird. And then I thought it was weird that the, um, ship deterrents were orchids, but nothing else on the planet was designed like that. I thought it would have been nice to see some more orchid based like tech or structures. That's my weirds. I have a couple. 
Uh, why is there no greeting party for La Serena or the Cube after the Orchids bring them down? Aww. I don't think the point was to destroy the ships, because they obviously survived intact being brought down by the Orchids. Why right. was there nobody there to greet them? Or otherwise, like, secure the perimeter. That was weird. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's a plot hole or what, or they just, well, you know, the Orchid brings the ship down gently. And then just sits there. <laughs> and then we you know, just wait and see if someone shows up. We yeah. See if they want to visit. Yeah. That's bizarre. And if that's like, and if you don't want them to get to your town, have the orchids land have the, on the other side of the planet, not five kilometers away. Right. That's weird. Other one is uh, Agnes says she didn't know the ship had windows, right? She opens up that, that window so she can right. actually see Picard, have some light, scan them with the tricorder because there's no power. Um, so there's a mystery here, Mike. She doesn't know this place has windows. We do know that Rios's quarters have windows because we saw his quarters. We do know that Agnes and Rios got down. The mystery is, Mike, where'd they get down? Ooh. Ooh, I want to, f- actually, I don't want to find out. <laughs> but I was thinking that was weird. She's like, you didn't know it had windows. So you obviously didn't get it on in Rios's quarters. Or she was just too busy to notice. Or maybe they were just, yes, uh, locking lips or something and and didn't really, she didn't <laughs> take the time to look around. Hmm. I guess in that scene, she did lead him away, so probably went to her quarters. Yeah. I don't know why that stuck in my mind so much. That's very strange. That, yes. That, uh, all right. This self-quarantine thing is obviously taking its toll on me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. All right, let's grade this thing and get out of here. It has finally come to making the grade. I'm you giving first. it a B minus. B minus. B minus. I thought that it had enough that it held together all right, but it really didn't grab me mm-hmm. as an episode. Uh, things that I did like, I, you know, I I don't know. It was just it. It was a very middling episode. Hmm. It was a mild-mannered episode. Mild-mannered episode, which could, this week, over the course of this week before Thursday, go into a phone booth and change and become something totally badass, right? It could. I hope Next so. Next Thursday. We'll see. Next Thursday. Uh, mild-mannered. Yeah, I guess there are some intense moments, but it is fairly mild-mannered, especially after the space battle. Uh, yeah. They, they are setting up the big picture. I do like the idea of the big picture. I do like that it has kind of a TNG episode conceit to it of them going to the planet to convince people to leave because danger is coming. And those denizens not wanting to leave. It's couched in that old style that we love and is comfortable, but it and and, and it kind of goes about the way that it normally does, but it, something just didn't sit right for me. I guess it's just raising too many questions, and it was pretty mild-mannered. Uh... I'm I'm pretty close to you. Like I was gonna go straight C, but I'll go I'll go C plus, maybe even a B minus. I I might meet you there because there's the structures there, and it's a familiar one, but it just doesn't hit that home run with the theme, of right? Really hitting into that morality of, of of killing, which Picard would have just dominated on TNG and probably did in plenty of episodes, right? So, you know, this is not who we are. Sure, that sort of speech or something, and. It just didn't happen in this one, which I get because it's part one of two or part nine of ten. I just, it could have just been more powerful. No, you're right. Uh, He didn't hit it hard enough. Much like Sutra, we're putting all our eggs 
much like Riker, I guess, too, with the eggs. We're putting all our eggs in next week's uh. basket. What what's what's it going to be like? Right? It's gotta it's gotta knock us over the head. It's gotta wow us. Yeah. And it's gotta tie most things up. Like I said, some things can stay loose because that's the world we live in as far as TV. But please, 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 give us something else next season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a different mission. Yes, please. Thank you, folks, for listening. Stay safe out there. Grandel! Next week. <laughs>